Going to throw here to Parker at the 20, at the 15, at the 10, at the 5. He is almost. He got a touchdown! He got a touchdown! He got a touchdown! He got a touchdown! He got it in! He got it in! He got it in! Well, howdy, guys. Welcome back to the Bread Ass Podcast. And just a quick uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Yeah, happy, I guess, belated Thanksgiving. However, that works. It was, uh, I, had, I, had a, I had a great holiday. Got to just spend it kind of chill with the family and took a day afterwards to go down to Houston and see my sister and her family, my folks, and my sister's new home that they built down there. It's, I've, 5,500 square feet. I don't know. It's ridiculous. Good size house right there. Hey, you know, that's what graduating from A&M will do. She's class of 95, and now she's a senior partner, Ernst and Young. She actually comes back and recruits regularly from the uh, PPA program. Hey, that's the way to do it. Well, uh, I'm Rob White, fighting Texas Aggie class of 2014. Yeah, and this is Roy May, fighting Texas Aggie class of 2015. Yeah, and uh, all that to say... Uh, interesting yeah, week thanks, of football. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, Thursday was great and Friday was great. I don't really want to talk about the rest of it. Yeah, you know, we could really do a deep dive on the game if we wanted to, but I think... I don't have any desire to deep dive on th- that there's, game. There's no need, and a lot of a lot of the talking points have been talked ad nauseum uh, for everything from play calling to decision-making based on individual to personnel officiating. to officiating. Um can we just get LSU on the road one year when it's not like an ESPN 30 for 30 situation? I mean, you're talking about Les Miles saving his job, uh, Joe Burrow getting just his big shining senior moment, and then Coach O's last hurrah. Those were the last three times we've played there. It's just been like the motivations of that team have just been at peaks at the end of the season every time we come into that house. It's just frustrating. <laughs> At least from a fan standpoint. No, I'm just sick of it. I, I can't stand LSU. Um, you know, to me they're to me they're a long long time rival. You know, that's what I grew up with us playing LSU and yeah. And not to mention, you know, now obviously that we're in the same conference and uh, you know we really are recruiting for the same players and and so there's so there's just there's even more about that game than there was when we used to play when we were in the Southwest Conference and. And it's it's frustrating, and I think I probably speak for a lot of Aggies when I say I'm just sick of it. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just – yeah, there was a, a lot of discussion online. Um, at, you know, I went on after the game because my new policy of not touching my phone during the game has been just wonderful. Yeah, and I think um, definitely worked out in case of anybody that was paying attention to Texas Ags because allegedly the site crashed. It did. So the, so, game, the game ended, and uh, – uh, you know, I, I scooped up my phone and kind of went to Twitter, and I was like, "Yeah." So I went to Tech Sags. I was like, "Well, it looks like I'm going back to Twitter." <laughs> um, but yeah, there was a lot of back and forth about the officiating on Twitter, and and I there's a lot of points that you can make on both sides of this. But I'm I'm still, as I've gotten older, I'm of the opinion that you know if you're in a situation where one or two calls from the officials dictates the game, then you didn't do your job to begin with. Well, a great example of this that I used when I was having some conversations about it was we don't need to be doing what LSU did back in 2018. Well, this call, this call, this call, this call. Like, hey, we can go down that road because obviously the you know, the number of different calls, you all know what they were. But, yeah, we shouldn't be going three and out half they, the time we had the football they just came out so flat in the first half yeah. you know and it was literally the opposite of what we talked about what needed to happen so 
So all of it said, the season's over and it feels like it ends as quickly as it begins. Um, and, I, and, and I get that we have a bowl game, but it doesn't matter. And bowl, um, bowl games really don't mean much in terms of. I'll watch. Don't get me wrong. Like I'll watch. Sure. I, I watch as many bowl games as I can to because uh, yeah. that's when the realization really starts to set in that you're about to be out of college football. <laughs> yeah, no, you got to sit down and watch the football games best you can. Um, you know, I, a lot of projections have us going citrus or potentially Gator, uh, which I'm seeing those matchups being either Iowa or Clemson primarily. Which yeah. I think for the seniors. Getting a chance for revenge against Clemson would be awesome. Yeah, I'd like to play Clemson. I, I think – I know we talk about wanting to play Big Ten teams more often, but I was just kind of such of a blah matchup for me. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see us play Clemson. And if we play, if we got somebody from from the Big Ten, you know, you wished it could have been Michigan State, but sure. you know, just how everything rolled out. But, I mean, Saturday was a great day. It was probably one of the better rivalry Saturdays that I've seen in a long time. Um yeah, the obviously the Iron Bowl was fantastic football. I mean, um, so was Michigan and uh, Ohio State. Michigan and Ohio State wasn't a great game, um, but I, it sure was nice to see Michigan beat Ohio State. It was a good atmosphere, and it was great. It to was see, fantastic. It was great to see that from you know Big Ten teams that they are still bringing it, especially on rivalry weekends. Well, one that's a rivalry, and two, you're also talking about you know both of those teams are what 9 and 1 going or 10 and 1 going into that game so what they're playing for is also through the roof so the big house was absolutely rocking um so it was um yeah yeah the, I, I that was a great game uh like i said the iron bowl but then ours was kind of a clunker and you know so there were there were some good with some bad you know when it when it all comes out in the wash the reality is we finished 5th in the west which is not an acceptable mark, and that's just—I don't have to explain that. No, you don't. And you know, we look at the West, and you know, you could say three-way tie, but it all comes down to those tiebreakers. Why we got placed where we were. Mm-hmm. Um, but by that same token, while I think we can look at the season and talk about the disappointments of said season, I think we could also look back at the various factors that got us to that point. Um, not, not the least of which is the amount of injuries that we did have, which, you know, I get it, injuries are part of the game. But you had injuries in key positions that really kind of hampered what we could have been this season. Yeah, but in our losses, you also saw just kind of crappy football. And and that's where it goes from, you know, when you're talking about earlier in the season with, with Arkansas and Mississippi State, you know, you've got a backup quarterback, basically. Mm-hmm. By the time, you know, you get further down the season, this isn't really a backup quarterback at this point, okay? He's basically turned into a first-year starter who should have matured enough, and especially for somebody who's been in the system that long. And and um, so I, I don't blame anything on us having a backup quarterback because that's not what we had. And I, we did have some injuries. The offensive line injuries are just hellacious for a football team. It doesn't matter if you would like to throw or run. Yeah. But the LSU loss was unacceptable. Hey, yeah, you know, the Mississippi State loss was awful. Um, uh, you know, Ole Miss, I can kind of swallow, to be honest. Well, looking at that LSU loss, it's very clear that that wasn't a very good football team. And really, I look at the last several times that we played them outside of 2019, LSU was not like a dominantly better football team than we were Mm-mm. in those matchups. It was just either poor play calling, uh, bad execution, Whatever it might be, but just for whatever reason, it's been kind of a struggle game for us, and that's not really what we need to be. We need to be able to dominate those guys for the purposes of you know continuous recruiting. Now, speaking of recruiting, well, hold on before we get into recruiting, oh, because recruiting is, is a whole thing. Oh yeah, go ahead. 
It's all good. Go ahead. We'll get back to what I was going to say. No, it's fine. Um, I mean, we picked up a recruit last night. Exactly. So, you know, this guy isn't falling. Evan Stewart's the number two player in the entire class, not number sure. two wide receiver. But you want to talk recruiting, go ahead, man. No, I'll I mean, talk that, recruiting that, that, all day. I mean, I mean, that's all it really was, was just, you know, we're not really painting on that for, you know, still, which is nice. Um, whereas you you look at some of our neighbors and you feel like there's still so many parts and pieces. So we're really not hurting in that front. No, gosh, no. And then that's, that's basically what my point was, was our point has been, we are, we are continuing to move in the right direction with the stuff off the field, which is good. We just need the product on the field to match we what's need going that on. To, yeah, we need that to translate. That's all it is. Well, I think I saw earlier today we have 19 commits right now, and we already have the highest graded class we've ever had. Yeah. And I think, what are we hitting, 25 this year, I think? Yeah. So, um, obviously, this is a, will be a record-breaking class as long as we keep it together, but I don't see why they wouldn't. Because if these kids are holding on after really what was a disappointing season, but these kids see the problems when it comes to injuries and, and this and that. But I think what's funny about how this season worked out is what, what's kind of always the thing we talk about in the West, right? Because if, you, if you're competing in the West, you're competing really for the national championship. And right. so and, and the tiers of the West, it was you know, Alabama at top. And then, you know, who were the two that we had to finish? We need to start finishing ahead of consistently. Well, you got to finish ahead of Auburn and LSU. Which we ended up doing this year. We just finished behind everybody else. It's yeah, just one of those weird years. <laughs> so we kind of flip-flopped that. Yeah, and Arkansas got hot, and then they looked like crap. And Mississippi State just didn't have an identity the entire year, but somehow managed. I They had they went 7-5, and five, and four of those were conference wins. Yeah, and it's just it's those weird things because I think anybody will tell you that Mississippi State wasn't a very good football team this year, but they found a way to win those type of games. You look at Arkansas, where they vastly improved from where they've been, yes. But I wouldn't say that they were a particularly great football team. But they would still find a way to win those games. Well, and I think if you look at those two programs, Old Miss – we, I mean, we kind of understand where their talent level is. Yeah. It's just everybody knows it. And they recruit about at the same, you know, kind of the same level regularly. And 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 that's just what Ole Miss is, you know, outside of a flash year here or there. Mm-hmm. Um, but they play for Lane Kiffin, man. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and what they might lack in talent on the field when they line up against, say, a Texas A&M, um, he, he fills those gaps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's able to utilize – Lesser talent, not that there's a massive gap, but, you know, lesser talent um, mm-hmm. with a very unique coaching style. You know, Lane Kiffin is just kind of – he's he's like the – he's the Mad Hatter almost, you know. He's he's a bit of a goof. He's a little off the wall, but it kind of fits what Ole Miss is it works. going for right now. Yeah, yeah, and it works. It works great. Um, I mean, he's got the Twitter personality. He's got just the big bombastic. I mean, I love that in the middle of this coaching carousel, he was driving around taking pictures of license plates of uh, not necessarily places he was, but of these license plates to make people go, he's in Louisiana. Yeah. He's in Texas. It's like, he's, no, he's trolling your he's ass. A, he's, a, he's a child stuck in a D1 coaching body. Oh, 100% he is. And that's why... You know, that's one of the reasons why I do like the man. You know, say what you want about his past and, you know, where he's been and who he's left behind. But 
I love what that guy does. He, he he is good for college football. We need personalities like that. Yeah, he certainly got a person. Yeah, the entire state of Mississippi has a coaching personality. No um, doubt. Yeah, that. So you look at this year and how everything got flipped, kind of in the standings. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the idea is if you're ahead of Auburn and LSU, chances are the only person you're looking up at is Alabama. Yeah. Um, instead, we're looking up at the entire state of Mississippi and Arkansas. It was a weird year. So I think Arkansas, while I, I I'm a firm believer that Sam Pittman will continue their success in the seven to eight to nine win range regularly. I don't know that Sam Pittman can build something at Arkansas at a championship sustainable level. And so that's why I kind of think that Arkansas may be good again next year, but I, I it's just I, I think Arkansas will settle back a little closer to their mean next year. Arkansas is losing so many pieces. I mean, they this had was a, kind of their year. Yeah, this was their big chance. So I, I don't think I think Pittman will stay there a, a decent amount of time because I don't think they'll ever have like those three or four win seasons. I really don't. I think he's I think he's a good enough coach, and I think the players really love playing for him. Yeah, it's just the fact that that what the talent level is at Arkansas. That's just that's difficult. It's, it's some things coaching can't overcome, right? That's right. Um. Ole Miss loses Matt Corral, so honestly, right off right off the bat, when you lose a Heisman, you know, candidate quarterback. What about Arch Manning though? He's going to come in and just turn that whole program on its head. Or well, what's interesting right. about that is I'm not like like jumping the deep end recruiting guy. Uh, no, I'm not totally either. crazy about it, but I keep up with it a, a pretty good amount, and, and I probably keep up with it more than what I give myself credit for. It's just some of the people I hang out with live, eat, and breathe recruiting, so I feel like right. I'm, you know, I'm the guy that doesn't know how to talk about it. But there's a there have been a handful of reports that come out that Archie Manning, while obviously good, um, maybe ranked a little bit higher because of his last name than his actual talent. Well, so no so, doubt. You look at who he's playing. So you bring in Archie Manning – who says he's going to be the savior, you know what I'm saying? And very rarely is a true freshman a savior for anybody anywhere. Well, and he's not playing the top-level talent Mm-mm. where he's at, you know? I mean, he's playing basically in what looks like the courtyard of, like, a, you know, a medical academy, dude. It's bad. Like, it's not, like, top-level football. This is – yes, he looks good. But, I mean, by comparison, let's look at Connor Wingman who's running around against some of the best athletes in the state of that Texas and is, making them look stupid. That kid is, uh, you know, honestly, when I watched Johnny play, I thought I would never see a dynamic quarterback like that again in my life. Yeah. And and not to put too much pressure on this kid. <laughs> no. Um, and, and I don't want him to be like Johnny. I want him to be like Connor. I want him to be Connor Wegman, you know. I agree. Um but some of the things he does on a football field reminds me of Johnny highlights in the sense that you can tell that he just doesn't belong at this level. No, he doesn't. And, you know, that really kind of begs the question because, you know, we've we've analyzed this season up and down, and we've both come to the conclusion that d- despite what, what the results were going to be, that this was a bit of a disappointing year. Um, and a lot of the problems go back to really the quarterback position I think it's going to be a really interesting uh, quarterback battle in the fall. I think it will literally all hinge on, and again, you know, we got to see four and a half, five quarters of, of Haynes King, you know? Yeah, four and a half um, quarters, maybe. But if I'm going into spring ball, that competition has to be wide open. <clears throat> I completely agree. Um, you know, it's interesting – I don't know that we'll have anybody transfer, though. 
I have a hard time seeing – Well, I mean, from a quarterback, no. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because I, I think Zach sees – well, it's, it's – there's you know, there's two sides to this. One, Zach sees that at any point in time, you, you know, you can be the next man up just like that. Um, But at the same time, you know, Zach's now played almost an entire season, so he's – you know, maybe he can utilize that to go somewhere, you know, in the portal. But I, I think – I think this year when they say quarterback battle is close, you know, looking ahead to, to spring ball and summer, um, I think it'll be an incredibly accurate statement because looking at – and, again, really high school highlights is all I have of either of these guys, Haynes King and Connor Wegman, right? Right. That's all we have to go on. And as far as being a winner, being able to throw, uh, throw the deep ball, accuracy, reading defenses, scrambling. Yes. Connor Wegman looks like – an a whole nother level up. Yeah, and part bigger. Of the, yeah, well, yeah, I agree, and I I like the kid. We've we've all seen what he can do. Plus, what he can do on the baseball diamond. He's just right. a very talented individual. Um, from a quarterback, I would love to see him go out there and kick butt, take names right out the gate as a true freshman, if he has the ability to do so. Right now, the only real experience you have is in a quarterback that, frankly, struggled. Um, in any any situation where it came to pressure, immediately during the headlights, it felt like. Uh, I don't think it's fair to say he struggled every time he got into pressure. Uh, oh, I, man, I think he so. looked so bad against LSU, though, in that. Right, regard. but I think if you're going to go back and look at the body of work, there were plenty of times where um, I, I thought Zach looked really good. It's just it's a consistency thing and, and that, is my problem. And that's what it was going to come down to is a lot of that inconsistency has been his biggest issue. We need somebody that's – whether or not it's just a game management quarterback situation, I think the biggest thing for us is consistency. You know, we know what we're getting out of our quarterback. If he is in a position where he needs to run, he runs. If he's in a position where he can throw the ball and throw it accurately, he will throw that ball and throw it accurately. That's what we want. Well, let's also go back to the to the injury thing, though. I mean, yeah. you know, life's a little different as a quarterback when you don't have your starting offensive lineman in front of you. So. There's a lot of factors that go into to pressure in the pocket and and what Zach had to deal with this year. So I'm not in a million years am I going to blame you know I'm not going to sit here and blame this record on Zach Calzada because I thought there were plenty of time. I mean, goodness gracious, him the Alabama game was all world. Sure. And that he made and and let's not sit here and say that we didn't have about a million drops this season. So again, that helps. Yeah. So so again. Um, you know, we all could have played, you know, everybody on the team, you know, to some extent could have played better, executed better, whether it was in one game mm-hmm. or just kind of throughout the season. And and that just happens. And, and you've got, you know, you've got the injury bug and you've got this and that. But it's sometimes it's just going out there and executing. And, and I thought that was that that was the one part of of the season that I it seemed like took a bit of a step back was the execution. And, and I and I start with just dropping the football. One, yeah. or, one or two drops is one thing, but we had drops throughout the season. It reminded me of that year when we had someone, the year we played Mississippi State in those god-awful white uniforms, and we mm-hmm. had like 32 drops in a game. So, well, yeah. oh, and, and real quick sidebar, if whoever sent Zach Calzada like a, a direct message and was a complete piece of trash, like, I pray to God you're not an Aggie. And if you are, you probably need to, 
turning your ring. And I really, I'd, honestly, I hope you don't listen to this because I wouldn't want you as a fan because it's one thing to, to be generally critical of, of, of play, but to direct message a current student athlete to talk shit about how they played and basically call them a big piece of shit, like that's very telling of the kind of person that you are and, and how you have zero control over your emotion and you have zero maturity. So I had to get that off my chest because that was disgusting. No, we don't support that. That's not very red ass, obviously. And that's not something that really falls in our wheelhouse. We don't yeah. appreciate that. We don't support that. Well, and I, I think I think even the players would understand when you're, t- when you're being critical of their play a little bit. And, and that's like, look, if you're going to drop a ball and I say you dropped the ball, you dropped the ball. Well, and, and it's fair to be critical of play, but you don't go after direct messaging these players. You don't go after them. Ever. Ever. Because, one, that's a poor reflection on your character. But secondly, it's, school. it's a bad look for the school. So don't do that. It's like tweeting at recruits. You know when the best time to do that is? <laughs> Never. Never. Thank you. It, it is zero. It is never o'clock to tweet a recruit. Exactly. Oh yeah. So don't ever do it. But you know. So that, that I'll be interested to see where we end up in a bowl. I hope we get a, a good one in Florida for for the kids because you know going to Florida in the winter is fun. <laughs> it's certainly more fun than being in Houston in the winter. Yeah, I Houston mean, or going to the Texas Bowl or that crap. So Music City um, Bowl. God help us. Oh man, uh, so cold. I don't want to do those, and you know what? That's okay because the other everybody else got themselves a bowl game at this point. Yeah. In the West, so they're all going to be, you know, they're going to be the Liber- the Liberties, the Music Cities, the whatever. The, the, the yeah, LS, LSU and Auburn will be Liberty and probably Music City. But. So, yeah, so send us to Florida, please. Let's talk. Let's talk a little bit outside of um, of Texas A and M and the world of college football. When you you're winning for the first time in a month and a half, and you're having decommits during the game. Yeah, it's a great look. <laughs> it's a great look for a, a five and seven team. It's a great look, and you know, <laughs> scratch and claw their way to five wins. <laughs> Rob just took his glasses off and he's having to rub his face. That's that's how ridiculous this is. So, the University of Texas and your fans, this is a special message to you. I understand oh, we struggled. I know we struggled against Louisiana State University. I understand that we w- lost in just the worst fashion possible. I understand we have had our struggles coming off of one of our better seasons. However, you Come are on. five and seven. You lost to mother loving Kansas at home. You have zero room to give us shit. Bitch, wine, moan, complain about what we're up to. Kyle Umlang, go eat your stats. You had a six game losing streak, bro. And this isn't the major leagues. That's not cool. You were the Longhorns because that was six L's in a row. Well, so you have that happening at Texas. And then you have, obviously, the miracle in Baton Rouge for us to go and, and help a coach out in his last game, <laughs> get in Death Valley. Well, and we, um, you know, we were just helping out our conference brethren but, so they could get in a bowl game. That's all it was. And we're, and we're going to get back to LSU in a second. But then you have this debacle with OU and Lincoln Riley. And let me tell you what, Lincoln Riley must think either, one, nobody watches this press conferences or two we're all the stupidest people on the planet because he basically <laughs> said yeah i got a call late that night and, you know about a day later the decision was made and let me tell you as Those things don't happen yeah overnight. and not to mention he got like three or four coaches also to pick up move their family like these are life altering career altering decisions yeah and 
And he's going to sit there and say that it basically all came together in like 24 hours. And let me tell you about how this stuff doesn't work. It because does there's lawyers, there's contracts. Um, not The fact that all those assistant coaches got on the plane should have been your first clue that he's a big, huge, fat liar pants face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like just, I, and so I, I think... Now, football-wise, I think he might be good at USC. USC pretty much kind of recruits itself. It is one of those names. Um, There's a lot of talent in California. There is a lot of talent in California, but I think the the talent recognizes where the real football is happening nowadays. So you're seeing the Californians, West Coasters, all going to the SEC along with everybody else. Now, granted, I get that the USC's of the world can recruit themselves because of location – all that fun and stuff. And name. And name. The USC is, is they, still a name. Absolutely. It is, it is a name. It is a blue blood if we're going down that road, right? If we go back to the 40s, yes. I mean, hell, the 2000s, they were good. Yeah, Reggie. I mean, let's 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 call it what they were. Yeah, they P, were, the Pete Carroll days. They were yeah. a great program in the 2000s. USC, as a program as it stands, does have some clout. It does have some appeal. But... What just an absolutely crappy way to leave your team? Oh, dude, I I don't I don't blame any Oklahoma Sooner that is absolutely living with him. They should be. You know, it's interesting. You talk about yeah, you know, the big boys in California want to go play in the SEC, but I think he kind of works there for this reason. I think, and it's come out and you know verifiable. I'm not sure, but the sources that that have put it out seem you know they're pretty trustworthy. Sure. You know that he wasn't a big fan of this move to the SEC. So, so, so for him being able to run to the Pac-12 to play that style of football, um, he'll attract the recruits that don't want to play in the SEC and want to play that style of football. So he can be successful within the Pac-12. Well, he can be successful in the Pac-12 and not have to worry about what the grind is of the SEC with his style. His style, look, and I know he can recruit. Sure. But I think... I think OU was going to be a little bit better than Texas, but I still think they were going to get absolute steamrolled. Well, at least the first several years, yeah. Yeah, and the problem is if you lose several, so you know, a few years, then the uphill battle of recruiting is basically you just kind of settle in, and, and like we talked about where Ole Miss recruits and where yeah. Arkansas recruits. And so it, and, I, and I think he ran and hid from real boy football, but he'll be able to find enough sissies on the West Coast that want to go play Pac-12 football. I love that Matt Leinert got all ticked about that on Twitter. Did you see that? Mm-mm. So Clay Travis basically lined out how this was a situation that uh, Lincoln was attempting to avoid uh, having to do SEC play. Get, getting skull drug in the or, SEC. Yeah, yeah, and Matt Leinert <laughs> says, shut your freaking mouth or whatever on Twitter. And everybody's like, why? Because he's telling you the truth? Like, yeah. I mean, like, why are you mad about this? It's no secret that the Pac-12 is not to the same level. You don't have a team that's in the playoff. You haven't had a team in the playoff for a while. They're like an afterthought as a conference. Yeah, you what, You might be a halfway decent basketball conference. You've got a few decent, yeah. you know. Basketball, they're not bad. you got a half-decent basketball pro- uh, conference. You've got some good baseball teams. You know, but the football's atrocious but the football's relative to what it was. relative to the national stage. Yeah, I mean, there's Oregon, Pac-12 after dark, it's, and it's, even Oregon's not up to par with Utah this year. Yeah, you know, so it's just it's yeah. Your your weird. best your best member is a new addition. Yeah, you know, it sounds like a few different places where that's happened, but 
you know, the Pac-12 is just an afterthought of football, an easy paycheck, and a league that he should be able to dominate without much effort coming in with a you, you know, kind of a big 12 mindset. you got to beat whatever momentum Utah may be building. Right. And you've got to beat Oregon, and that's kind of all you have to do. And every once in a while, you got to worry about Stanford. Every once in a while. Every once in a while. Same thing with Cal. Same thing with you know, sort Washington. Of U, sort of UCLA. Yeah, you know. Yeah, now he ran away from big boy football, and that's just all there is to it. That's and, all there and, is to it. And the fact that he stood there at that podium and just bold-faced lied to everyone just kind of shows you, like, the, his character. To, to his credit, he wasn't wrong about, I will not be the next head coach at LSU. He was correct. Technically, he was right, which is the best, best kind, kind of correct. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you are technically correct. The well, best kind of correct. So let's get back to our <laughs> brethren in the bayou. Um, they hired Chip Kelly. Uh, excuse me. Um, excuse me. Brian Kelly. Oh, yeah, man. Chip, Chip Kelly's in UCLA still, yeah. isn't he? Is he yes. still there? Yeah, he's still quacking it down there. Yeah, um, somewhere out on the West Coast. But no. Um, Brian Kelly. Brian they, Kelly. They pull him from Notre Dame. And you know what? Scott Woodward. Goodness what gracious. a whiff! Yeah, yes and no, because if you, if you look at Brian, if you look at him, he does have the record. Granted, he hasn't played the best level of competition, and I think from a cultural standpoint, it's hard for me to see him as a good fit in the Bayou. But I've been wrong before. I don't know. I won't judge until it actually happens on the field. I think from a fit standpoint, Brian Kelly works at LSU about as much as Ed Orgeron would work in South Bend. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I, 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 think, I think he's pompous. I think he's a little arrogant. And I don't think he really cares for um, a lot of stuff that goes on in the SEC. Which is okay for me because guess what? Like I don't Even think he likes reason- people from <laughs> flat out. I think I want, turd. I'm so pumped that he is now in our conference, so we can beat that ass. That's well, what I want. Well, and here's you know here's the question. You said you know he's he's got a track record. Track record of what? I mean, who who does who does Notre Dame play on a regular basis? Let's be honest. Well, they they, they well, handpick their schedule. They do handpick their schedule. They play Navy every year. Mm-hmm. They play Georgia Tech every year. Yeah. So they they run ACC at this point. Um, they don't really do that Michigan thing. And the a, so yeah, and the ACC is garbage. What they play USC, which has been garbage. But they've not been good. Neither and, has and they Stanford. Some, and they've backed their way into the playoffs and gotten demolished. Right. So his track record really is that when it comes time to play the SEC, he can't do it. Right. He he has built up a record against not great teams. Right. And that's that's totally understandable. Totally fair. Totally fine for us to. Give him crap for that. So then the thought is, if you put him at LSU, can he beat the SEC with SEC players? Can he? Can he recruit SEC players? I I just... I don't know. You know, and my favorite part, I, I keep seeing this line, he's like, man, he had, he was having a lot of success, and he was doing it at Notre Dame where the academics are really high. You think Notre Dame gives a shit about academics when it comes to fielding a football team? Please no. don't sit there and give me some sanctimonious bullshit about Notre Dame being the bastion of purity and all that is honest and good in the world of college football. Those dudes are getting the same breaks when it comes to admission standards that every athlete at a big-time program is. I mean, it's no different than the 80s whenever it was Catholics convicts, right? Everybody was all up on, well, Notre Dame represents good old school classic football and Miami's the bad new blood. And it's like, no, I mean, they 
all have the same things going on. Exactly. You know, so whatever. Don't, yeah, like everybody's like, it's like they're fielding, you know, a starting 11 of Rhodes Scholars, and that's not what they're doing. Okay, now once do. they get to Notre Dame where the academics are outstanding and they have all the help in the world, like every other, you know, athlete in, in Division One, and then they're able from a, you know, level of education standpoint to get a great education? Absolutely. Sure. You know, what, what do they say? You know, the hardest part is getting there, right? Right. Once you're there, professors, aides, tutors, you know, you can get through and get a fantastic degree without much difficulty, honestly. And 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 star athletes in high schools, most uh, most notably football players, because well, they it's, get similar treatment in high school. Too. In, in high school, yeah. they, they tend to skate through a little bit. They don't. Yeah. You know, so, you know, the the smaller the school, the the more the more kind of power they have. And that's not. I and I get that's not every single one. And I, there's a lot of. Look, and I'm not talking about they're getting free grades, but man, you're talking about just, you know, coming to class late or, you know, you get, you know, an extra day to do this or that. And that's, look, it's the truth of it. And if you want to sit here and debate it, I will sit here and debate with whomever all day long that the same crap's going on that's always been going on. And, and that, and, and it is what it is. Yeah. You know, that, so, but to think that he's only, you know, recruiting kids that finish in the top 5% of their high school class who happen to be football players is just a big load of malarkey. You know, we all know it. Everybody knows it. Um, so the talent gap between him and LSU is different. It is. Because he can't recruit well enough. Right. That, that's my take on it. Well, and I'm going to be very curious to see how it translates now that he's in the SEC. Um, we'll, we'll see how it works. Like I said, I'm not. I'm at this point, and <laughs> I have learned to not cast stones it's on n- any hire. I mean, because we were all we were all railing on Sam Pittman when he was coming into Arkansas. We were like, "Yeah, I thought Pittman was a decent hire." A lot of people didn't, though. Yeah, a lot of people thought, "Oh, who the hell is this guy?" And he's made Arkansas halfway decent. I- not, they're not good. But they're yeah, a lot more respectable than they were. They finished exactly. above us in the West. Yeah, you know. So technically, I, right? So yeah, but look, <laughs> I don't think he's going to go to LSU and bomb out by any means. I no. I think LSU's floor is five wins forever. I don't, you know, I'm just, you know, I, I LSU is just that kind of program. They have that kind of support and yeah. organization of support. I mean, they've got. You know, they, they went out. They, you're talking about across the athletic department, too. You know, yeah. you, you go get Skeletor from Baylor for the women's basketball team. Um, <laughs> Skeletor. Well. Curcio, hey, man. <laughs> I'm going to go score some more games. <laughs> she's, she's, she's frightening. I don't like um, her. Um, you, I mean, it's... Your, your, head, your men's head basketball coach has broken so many NCAA rules that yeah. n- nobody's like, this dude is on FBI tapes, and you're like, yeah, you're good, bro. Well, and then you had Maneri over there in baseball, who's yeah. kind of a classic. I mean, it's an interesting athletic department. So I, It's all of the buy-in. It, it's all a, of it. Yeah, exactly. So I'm really curious how it's all going to play out. Whatever about it, you know, they'll figure it all out. I think it's going to be a cultural thing when it when it when it comes yes. down to it. If there's an issue, it's going to be because he doesn't fit there. I just don't think he like Lincoln Riley fits at USC. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah dry fit Riley, absolutely. But by the same same token, I look at LSU and we we talk about culture. I. Uh, I don't know. That's it. I'm I'm in, I'm in a weird spot on well, that. Well, I will say one thing about the Cajuns. If you're winning, they don't care. 
Well, sure. And that's and that's most programs, but especially at like if you're winning, they don't even care if you give press conferences. Yes. I mean, because exactly. basically for the last three years, there may as well not have been press conferences. You couldn't understand a damn word the guy was saying. Right. Um, so one, one thing I did want to touch on with Kelly, though. You saw what his numbers were going to be, right? What they were paying him? Mm-hmm. It was like 95 over 10 years. It's a lot. So let's just go ahead and take away this old argument about Jimbo Fisher being overpaid for what he's getting into. It's the standard well, now. We've well, set well, the standard. Yeah, now it's called setting the marker, right? Yeah, we've set the standard. Now, Do you did you hear what the number was that Jimbo was offered? Yes. And for those who did not hear, it was like $13 million a year over eight years, and he turned it down. Yep. My thought is, I mean, first off, thank you, Jimbo, for you know looking at an extra three million dollars and going, eh, I'm fine. Thank you for looking at us, you know, you know, and looking at the camera at a press conference twice and not lying to our faces. Right. You know, which <laughs> it's kind of been tough for a lot of coaches. Lately. Yeah, yeah, apparently that's difficult. <laughs> right. Well, nobody believes any of these coaches now because most coaches will act in their own self interest, and that's been shown time and time again. Which is why I'm totally cool with the way the transfer portal's set up now because the players can just as easily leave if they need yeah, to. Yeah, no, absolutely. They're that, not stuck. That, that was the fair thing to do because coaches could leave, but you couldn't. You, know, you had the sitting a year crap. Now, yeah, forget that. You want to talk about the two contracts? So I was laughing about this earlier. So Lincoln Riley goes out and gets a massive contract, right? Sure. And then USC also buys both of his homes for a million over value. Uh, he gets the private jet whenever he wants it, 24-7. Um. So, and then you look at Brian Kelly, and it's uh, how many years was it? Ten million. T- ten years. Ten years, right? Ten years. At ten years, nine and a half mil a yeah. year, with five hundred thousand dollars in bonuses. Like, so Woo. you think about the bonuses that Lincoln Riley got—a jet. They bought your homes in Oklahoma. Like, you're, you know, you're going to be in Southern California, and then. Sure. They, they brought in Brian Kelly, gave him a, a fat wad of cash, and they were like, oh, and by the way, a lifetime supply of Tony Sacheries. Like, that was his Pretty added much, bonus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what am I supposed to do with these? It's like, yeah, oh, it was, tell you what, though, learn. It was brilliant by USC with a private jet and to buy his homes in Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. You know, because with the difference in state tax. And it was it was it's a brilliant move, which tells you even more so that there's no effing way that this was put together in thirty hours. No, one thing I do think was really really funny. Now having gone back and seen you know the whole conversation that did take place about this, um, was oh it was oh what wedding was it? it was USC something whatever it doesn't even matter at this point. Um, man, Lincoln Riley, what a guy. Oh. You know, what's interesting about that is in today's, so, you know, think back 20, 30 years ago, nobody even paid attention to press conferences, honestly. Nobody really did. No. Um, but now, just with, in the in the age we live in, every recruit saw that he just flat out lied. And not even yeah. the ones that he was recruiting or, or what he did, you know, behind the scenes or didn't do at, at Oklahoma before he left. <clears throat> but <clears throat> then you have to wonder because... You're not just selling this kid. You're selling the kid and you're selling the family on the university, you know? So then the question is, were you lying then? Are you lying now? Can I trust you? And so there's going to be some issue. There's, I I would almost put money. I'd put your money on it. Um, <laughs> that, uh, that there are going to be a couple of recruits whose family steered them away from Lincoln Riley at USC. 
because it's clear that he has a bit of an integrity issue, <clears throat> and he, and apparently he has no problem pro- program hopping. No, I mean he showed it pretty, uh, you know, pretty prominently, and it really does cast a light on a lot of different coaches because you could look at any coach at any point where they have said, "I'm not leaving the program." And then it eventually turns out to be wrong. It turns out to be wrong. I mean, Jimbo Fisher and Slostangle both did that but, to come here. But Lincoln flew all the way to California and then got in front of a mic and just lied to all of our faces like he thinks we're idiots. Yeah. So, and it, it, it's it's a whole deal. So, I mean, I hope. But let's go back to what we always talk about. Sure. We're geographically surrounded by the SIPs, OU, and, and LSU. Yeah. And you have turmoil at three, All three. So, three and, places. And obviously the least turmoil is at LSU because if, whether or not he's a fit, he's not a, I don't think he's a splash hire by any means, but he's a good hire. And it shows you you can flex your muscles and pull a coach from Notre Dame. Right. Um, but Texas, is, I mean, you're five and seven, you know, and, and now because enough teams qualify, you have no bowl game. Um, so no extra practices. Sark's going to have a tear it all the way down to like to the studs to build this thing. Yeah, and then you've got OU, and I mean, they right now they don't even have a coach. They got a bowl game, but they don't have a coach. And the initial person that everybody really wanted doesn't look like he's available. Uh, Venables. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know. So, so Napier's Florida. Yeah, which I mean, decent hire. Yeah, again, not a splash hire, but a major. If they'll just. If they'll wait and be patient, these hires can be good. It, and that's the biggest Look at problem. Clemson. Well, well, just look at Clemson. Well, look at Clemson, and let's look at Georgia, right? Let's take a handful of these examples of the guys that it took a while to get there. Not everybody is a Nick Saban who's just going to be the guy. Three years in, and right. you're Three winning years championships. In, and we're going to be just rocking and rolling. Every program that has ever been outside of that, it took some time to build that It's patient. Right? I mean, Kirby Smart. <clears throat> Outside of some absolute BS, Georgia's the best team bar none in the country. And I have no doubt in my mind that Georgia's going to go win the national title this year. It, it would take a serious like an act of God for them not to. But it took a long time for Georgia to get to this point, man. They were pretty middle of the road for a while. I mean, they've always been kind of an upper tier East team. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was basically Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee on the yeah, years they Tennessee. were up. But. But in general, Georgia was always kind of a mid to high tier in the bridesmaid. East. Meanwhile, yeah, or in the, always a bridesmaid. But it took them, a, took them a point in time. But here they are. You've got to give the Jimbo Fishers. You've got to give any other these other coaches. You've got to give them time. People are citing the all time record now of you know what someone's record was to this point versus what. Jimbo's was. First off, that's not even a close to fair comparison. That's seriously, that is com- two completely different styles of programs from the ground up. And let's just talk about positioning of the programs. For well, we'll just talk about point. depth, talent yeah. depth. Yeah, I mean, you have a Sumlin program which was trending down, and all of the pieces were falling apart. Mm. Where we have been trending upwards, despite the you know the less than stellar the step back. Yeah, we are still recruiting at a at an elite level. We are yeah elite elite absolutely. level, and we are at a point where we have seen that growth. We are excited about that growth. We are going to be fine 
And that is the thing that all of the BAS people have to that's, get That's the right. nice thing about recording on a Tuesday is most people have stepped away from the ledge. Right. You know, had we recorded on Monday before this recruit got got picked up, you know, Zach Evans or whatever his name was. No, Evan Stewart. Evan Stewart, excuse me. Yeah, Zach Evans is transferring from TCU. That's right. So I'm sorry. I'm, once again, I'm, 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 not a, I'm not a recruiting guy. <laughs> but I, all I know is like, oh, he's the top wide receiver and he wants to come to A&M? That's cool. That you makes know? sense. I mean, that's pretty much what – yeah, that makes a ton of sense. <clears throat> but anyway. I mean, why not? Why not? You know, you talk about what you have, but you also talk about what you're missing. And, and some of that is just true elite guys on the outside. And you want yeah. to talk about – the class that's coming in for wide receivers, and that's and that's a position you can start as a freshman. And and I wonder, and I had a couple of conversations with guys like this, and I just my thought is, how much of this of these last two seasons could have benefited our boy Jimbo had he had an offensive coordinator? Now I understand. Jimbo's kind of a control freak. This is what his football team is, and he wants to run the offense as he wants. He's a quarterback guru, apparently, you know, all Mm -hmm. that good stuff. At some point, when do you realize that an OC, just an extra offensive mind being in there, might be of benefit? That's the question. Yeah. Will he he do it? Well, I mean, you know, it's what's the old phrase, adapt or die, right? Yeah. Um, You know, it. I mean, that was easily my biggest point of contention down the road. We're going to be patient. Sure. I know for a fact. Um, I think if OU can get into the right hire and be patient, I think OU can be competitive in in the SEC because although it seems like a million years ago, I still remember Oklahoma with the Big 8 with Nebraska and just being one of the big, tough, mean teams in the country. And, and, And OU can get back to that. And, you know, and now that they're leaving the Big 12, I think, oh, you can. Texas, they've got the wrong guy at the helm. And it's not going to matter how long they give him because his career has shown that he's about a seven-win kind of guy. There's an absolute circus in Austin right now. There is. I mean, you have a you have a recovering alcoholic as a head coach who's not a very good head coach. You have special teams coaches who are out here de- marrying strippers. Yeah, leaving their wife and kids for a stripper that has a pet monkey. That has a pet monkey. That's been uh, on Jerry Springer. Yeah, that's been on Jerry Springer. <laughs> red flag you, of all red you, flags. You have various players on the roster who have just, from a character standpoint or otherwise, just been a little less than a stellar. It's just been. You've got drug charges. You got gun charges. And don't get me wrong; like we got it too. But you can't sit. Yeah, those are amplified when you're losing. Right, and that's the problem. You are not. You are not the dominant force in a conference that, under no excuse, should you ever be less than number two. Well, I I could take third. I you know if finishing third here or there, I get in a down year for Texas. But that conference is Oklahoma. That conference is Texas. Right, but you know the off years when Oklahoma State jumps up or an Iowa State has a good year. I'm talking every once in a while. I get it. But at the absolute floor, you're looking at three. You know, you are not a team that needs to be missing bowl games. They're gonna they're gonna get mud holed in the SEC. And and the thing is, if they hold on to Sark, it'll be too late. Yeah. Um. I don't. It's wild to say. I know he's not getting canned this year. If, no. If he struggles next season, I, I think you have to consider getting after that contract because you need somebody that's going to be able to motivate you in the SEC. But at this point, if you're not already at this point, 
how many times can you fire and hire new coaches before coaches are like, there is no way in hell I'm going to work there. Well, and I'm shocked Sark took it. I mean, because let's just look at the Tom Herman situation. He won. He never lost a bowl game. He never had a sub-500 record. They would be a million times better off if they had kept that turd. They, and, and you know what? I know they don't agree, but the rest of us do. He fit that program to a T. Yes, he, was, he did. He, he is a brash, Sm- overconfident, smarmy, just shit Disgusting face. person, and that's the reason why he fit y'all so well. That's why you guys won nine and ten games when he was there. Because, right. hey, you're you know, simpatico. <laughs> right. You guys absolutely. You deserved each other. You deserved each other, and you kicked him out. Because, oh, well, there was personality problems there. And now you've got yourself a lame duck coach. Congratulations. Um, man, I tell you, it's just been an absolutely crazy few days, and we're not done yet. You, oh, well, I'll tell you what. The the door you know hasn't been unlocked in Austin yet to the, to the transfer portal. No. Because they're talking about dozens, dozens, plural. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe Texas can take 55 for recruiting this year. They might need that many slots. Bum, ba, da, da. Uh, um, so. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the one bit of news that I, you know, if it had come out like Saturday morning, would have made literally made everything okay and right in the world. Mm. So we need to talk to the publicists. You need to go through your Texas country uh, kind of network. And and I want to know why I didn't get the announcement uh, by Turnpike before the weekend, because then I wouldn't even have cared, man. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't even have cared. Woke up. West Ham ends up playing in a blizzard in Manchester and loses. Like, it just... None of it would have mattered, man, because Turnpike. You see that? So, Turnpike and Reckless in Colorado? I did see Get that. out of here, dude. I'm excited about that. So, yeah, I mean, just an absolute bombshell of a news drop. And it started Wednesday is, is when that initially happened. So, somebody stumbled upon Turnpike's website, and there was just an orange screen with two roosters fighting. It said, coming soon. And everybody was like... Are they oh my God! It's happening. Is it actually happening? It's happening. What's gift. happening? Exactly. You have Ron Paul doing the hands. It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> and then they posted both Twitter and Instagram with the full band picture, and it was at that moment that we all knew everything's uh, going to be okay. The state of Oklahoma just sacrificed the OU football program for Turnpike to come back, and I think that is an acceptable trade-off. Yeah. It. Thank God. It reminded me, like. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love movies. I love Christmas movies, and I have a really weird brain for movies and movie quotes and mm-hmm. scenes, and obviously the ones I've seen, you know, especially my favorites. And that came out, yeah, that announcement came out because the first first thing I saw, really, like I saw that picture of the roosters, and I was just like, yeah, I, I'm not gonna get dragged into this again emotionally. I can't. Mm-hmm. And then they, you know, the picture of the band, and and then it came out about the the concert with Reckless Kelly, and it, the end scene of Christmas story where he's in bed sleeping with his BB gun and he talks about always right in the world and the music like whisks you away. Mm-hmm. Like that was that moment. So yeah. just replace basically every turnpike, but really every Texas country fan on the planet, mm-hmm. like laying in that bed, like little Ralphie with their brand new turnpike and reckless vinyl, like drifting off to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I am, I am beyond ecstatic. I am a, Big, big, big Turnpike fan. Well, and I always loved Turnpike Troubadours. I had a chance. I was lucky enough. I saw them six times, you know, before before they... Before they really blew up? Well, I mean, well, 
they were still big, you know, like they were always big there. But, you know, um, Diamonds and Gasoline came out my freshman year of college. Um, as was, as did Firewater over. from Whiskey Myers. So you're talking like two of the bigger albums that have ever come out of this genre. Both came out that year. And I could not be more ecstatic whenever I had a chance to go see them. And I just, I felt so bad about the whole situation with Miranda Lambert and Evan Felker. The whole thing fell apart and I just thought to myself, damn. Never going to happen. It's just, it, it, it was brutal. But here we are now. We are on the backside of what was this awful hiatus for this band. And, you know, I've seen some people on the internet going, eh, whatever, Turnpike wasn't all that good. I'm like, dude, Turnpike was just one of the defining bands. Because they, I mean, you know what? Is it overly complicated musically? No. Is it overcomplicated in its writing? No. But that's the reason why we love it. Okay, well, if the, if the problem is that it's too simple... Then basically you have two choices: yeah. Mozart or Rush, and the rest of it's shit. Yeah, like, like, don't sit there and talk to me about. Well, it's just too simple, bro. It's Texas country. It's Texas For, country. They're supposed to be telling a story. It's red dirt road kind of country. Like, right? You know, Charlie Robinson is still making music. Yeah. Charlie Robinson can hardly sing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love. I do. I love Charlie. Uh, in fact, that was one of the albums I listened to a ton when I was in France. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, saying that Turnpike isn't that good is it's like you're trying. Yeah, it's like you're trying too hard. Well, you're trying too hard. You're trying to be that that extra level of you know how some people extra. Are. Just well, extra. Yeah, it's like, well you're trying to be like just the cool kid, like, nah, Turnpike's not all that great. Whatever, the Beatles are dumb. The Beatles are dumb. It's like man Beatles are overrated. Yeah. Well I like Turnpike. I don't get the Rolling Stones. And if anybody has ever seen them live, if anybody's ever seen what their show is they were a defining moment in Texas country music, was that band. And seeing them come back is a big time deal. It's a big deal. It's a well, very big deal. And one thing I'm kind of hoping for, um, you know, in today's day and age, because yeah. I'm not picking up and flying to Colorado. You can take that and shove it. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping they have, like, a streaming option. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm really, like, I really want to watch it. I'm sure they will. Um, what I think will... Rumor is this weekend, uh, this, it's not anything confirmed yet, but Kyle Nixon, the 38s, and then the other band, uh, which are basically all of Turnpike minus Evan, mm -hmm. are playing at Kane's Ballroom, and the prices of the tickets went up hmm. the day of the announcement that they were back, and then Kane's Ballroom immediately sold out. Why? Because there's probably going to be three or four songs right there at the end that are going to be Turnpike, because Evan Felker's going to come walking on stage. Yep. Which I have no doubt is probably going to happen, because it's the corner of Easton and Maine. Boom! There you go. It's a great yeah. little combo. Yeah, I, I, I will definitely buy that album when it comes to that's for sure. And you know, once they write the new music and they really get to touring on it, that's going to be great. Um, that is one band that, as a young up and coming band, I have been telling my camp, if there's anybody we open for, I want to open for Turnpike when they come back, because that is going to be pack show after pack show after pack show. Oh, absolutely. Of people. That stylistically, we're not too far off from. Yeah. You know, we're not rocking so hard, nor are we like super country country, which is right where Turnpike is. Yeah. Turnpike's got some plenty of country elements, but they also have plenty of little rock elements. That's where we're at. Yeah. Turn, we, Turnpike's just fantastic. Yeah, we love them. And, Greg, and, and with Reckless, dude. And, and Reckless Kelly's always bad. I, I'm just trying to think like 
what I would pay for that show. I'm trying to figure out what the cap is, like what I would be willing to pay for a ticket. Well, I mean, there are tickets up there. I mean, we went to Red Rocks. Uh, we were looking at going up to a show. There was like some like EDM festival or something like yeah. that. And it was like $300 for an EDM festival. I don't even want to know what they're going to charge for turnpike tickets. Uh, EDM stuff's pretty expensive, actually. They, they have to say, I've never... I would, I would probably pay 500 bucks easy for GA. Yeah. For GA. For GA. I pay five hundred bucks for that show, because it's just kind of one of those shows. Like yeah. they might get back together and play another show, but it's just not going to be that show. Yeah. It's like the Dave Matthews show at Red Rock. Yeah, it was just there'll never be another show like that. And I'm wondering if yeah, you know, what's the situation going to be? Is it going to be like Turnpike tours for a portion of the year? Then it's Kyle Nixon and the Thirty Eights go do their thing. Yeah, whoever else splits off to Is this a one-time little shot with Reckless and they're I, like, done? I don't think that's going to be I don't catch. think that's what it'll be, but... There, I have a hard time thinking that because you don't go out there and get big-time promotional imaging for that. Um, you know, you don't get, like, like the situation with System of a Down, right? System of a Down, they will go out and they still tour System of a Down, but they don't put out new music. Mm-hmm. Except for last year, they put out two new songs, but those were defiant songs that have political motivation for something that was relevant to them. Yeah. That's the only reason they put out those songs. At this point, um, as far as Turnpike, we're excited. We love, we love yes. Turnpike. I'm really excited about the prospect of potentially opening for them down the road. Um, that would be pretty groovy. That would be groovy. Um, speaking of shows, um, so this is a busy week for us. Uh, we're going to be in Corpus Christi Thursday. Okay. Um, with Pegasus on the rooftops, then we'll be. Aren't here, you back here? You're Harry's here. Friday night, right? Hurricane Harry's yeah. Friday night with Pegasus on the rooftops. Doors that are at nine. We will probably going on about nine thirty, nine forty-five. Get your butts over there. It's going to be a party. Um, I'm anticipating an eventual sellout, probably day of. It's not going to happen before. Hardly ever does at Harry's, but I would anticipate a near sellout for that. So if you're planning on showing up, better get there early. Um, and then we're playing our last headliner show of the year on Saturday. We're going to be up in Fort Worth at Wild Acre Live outside. Uh, our friend Holly Beth will be opening that show. I say, didn't you say then things kind of calm down over the holidays? Yeah, we've got one. Sh- well, we got two shows on New Year's Eve right around there. We've got one on the thirtieth, uh, and that will be at Cedar Park Wild West with New Year's uh, Eve 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 Eve, and that will be with. Um, Kevin Fowler. Then on New Year's Eve, we've got a private party with mm, our like, buddy uh, Dylan Wheeler. I like Kevin Fowler, too. Oh, we love Fowler. Yeah. And uh, in January, we're pretty much off. Carson's got a bunch of acoustic shows. He's going to Steamboat. Oh, right on. Yeah, he's going to be up at uh, Music Fest up there at Steamboat. You should just go. I would love to go. Tickets are don't damn expensive. I can't go. Yeah. But that's okay. Because um, yeah, if you're not playing, it's expensive as hell to go. Yeah. So at this point... Whatever. I won't worry about it. Um, Here's the plan, though. And this is an exclusive for everyone who's listening to the podcast, all five of y'all out there. This is for you. We are actually, the rest of the band, going to put together a rock show for uh, January. Just as a goof, as a one-off. And it's going to be, you know, myself, the two guitar players, uh, you know, Ryan and Travis, and then we have Chase on drums. And we're just going to do a rock band. And we're going to go out there and just jam out and have a hell of a time. And that should be fun. Yeah. You know, and the idea is we've talked to ownership at the tap and they're down. So, um, and we'll just put it together and go out there and rock and roll. So, word. It's going to be kind of grunge to like Machine Gun Kelly, kind of that range. So, anything that was about 
from the late ninety or from the early nineties up till about today mm. is kind of fair game. All of the Soundgarden. Soundgarden, man. Well, can oh, anybody God. sing? Chris well, 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 here's Cornell. the deal. Allegedly, I get to sing up front, so I'm just like, oh, hmm. man, I'll be sick that day. Save me. <laughs> Uh, uh, all right. On that. So you said there was a question or something, or yeah, am so, I losing my mind? Yeah. So one, one quick question that we did have, and then we'll wrap it up. And we'll wrap it up. So I gotta, as, go, I gotta put lights on the house. All right, as a yell leader, mm. oh boy. As a yell leader, whenever you have, yeah. You know, what is the general reaction when you're out on the road of other fan bases to you? Whenever you are yell leader. Oh, okay. Um. So. It's you don't spend a ton of time with the away fans because you get there. Um, obviously, you know you're gonna go out, but it's not like you're wearing your whites, you know. Yeah. Um, midnight yell uh, is normally all the local ags, and the and the opposing fans that want to come to to see midnight yell generally are well behaved because they're just like, what the hell is this? And so they just want right. to watch. Minus Arkansas, Arkansas was a little ridiculous. They always are. But you know we've got quite a bit of history with Arkansas. Of course. Um, but they're generally they're generally real nice. You know, if they're poking fun at you, it's all kind of in, in in good fun. Yeah, tongue, um, in ch- tongue in cheek. Like yeah, if you can walk around Baton Rouge on game day in your whites and and not get beer poured, like I mean, we got offered food. People were bringing. In, I mean, they were That's super nice. cool. Um, students are always going to be a little bit of turdish. Uh, you know, kids try to start a fight. Um, uh, South Carolina, but the the opposing fans in general are pretty cool. People want to take pictures with you. They're real nice. Um, yeah, just cause we're unique, Yeah, but, but to the same extent, it's also really no different than, you know, if you go somewhere, like if you went to the Grove and the old Miss cheerleaders were walking around, like you get a picture of the old Miss cheerleaders cause they're the, they're the spirit group, right? Right. So it's just kind of one of those things. Um, uh, people want to take pictures of Revly a lot more than, than, than with us. Oh, sure. <laughs> but, that makes sense. But, I mean, uh, come on. Yeah, we got to bow down to our queen, fa- right? Fans are generally uh, very cool. Um, yeah, you also have to remember the majority of people that are going to football games have money to go to football games. So they're not the they're not the message board heroes that live 300 miles from campus and have never you know stepped foot on campus. Right. These are season ticket holders. And, and even a lot of the students, are. It, it's not like entire student bodies. Um, you know, inside the stadium, like in Baton Rouge, inside the stadium, it's – um, it's just 60 minutes of getting insulted, oh, but, uh, but they didn't throw that. anything. You know, they didn't throw anything. Well, cause we were, um, they were winning. It, it minus a couple of pennies. Well. Like they're throwing change at us. Um, but everywhere else, uh, like they make fun of you and they say kind of the same three or four things and they realize like they don't have any other materials. So they just kind of leave you alone. Okay. And they eventually want to take pictures with you, and they'll call you over to the stands to get pictures. It's, yeah. it's you know it's unique. Um, you know you know having yell leaders there. So, but it's uh, yeah. But road trips are so great. Uh, that's definitely one thing I miss hanging out with all the guys and yeah. you know grabbing a rent a van and, and and going and hanging out. But uh, I did have to laugh because the one team one podcast, whatever the LSU one of mm-hmm. their podcasts. Uh, one of their guys was walking around a bunch of tailgates with Aggies and with the microphone asking if we were. Cool. Oh, I saw that. And, yes. And, and I was so proud of every Aggie on the video. Like, being like, yeah. yeah, we are. Yeah. It's, yeah, I saw it. It might have been, I think somebody quoted it. And it, I don't know, it, was, it might have been you. Um, Could have been. Just said it's, you know, it's so funny how the whole world just recently decided to figure out and make fun of us because they think we're a cult. When for like decades, we've just been like, yeah. Yeah. We know what we are. Telling you, man, String hit it out of the park with that shirt idea. We put the cult in agriculture. That's right. That's that's like seriously that's phenomenal. That should be a top selling shirt of all time. See what I want is if I ever get asked that question if I'm out on the road for a game, someone's like, So y'all are Colton Dick, yeah, why aren't you? (laughs) 
you know, what? you know. Yeah, we're gonna put that shirt together. I'm gonna get with String. We're gonna put the shirt together. Yeah. And we're gonna donate uh, pro- uh, part of the proceeds to Aggie Achieve because I know that's big on String. Yeah. So um, uh, I'll uh, I'll hit String up, but you know, I think we're gonna make that shirt. We put the cult in agriculture. I I, I think we could sell a lot of it and we could donate a lot of money to um, uh, to Aggie Achieve. I like that. So, uh, yeah, so I'll have to get in touch with String because he's probably a little too highbrow to listen to our podcast. <laughs> oh. But, uh, we'll, just, we'll tag him. Well, not highbrow, too popular. It's yeah. probably better. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll tag him in the podcast. Yeah. Hey. So, um, so, but yeah, so heads up. Just came up with an idea, String. We're going to do it. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, getting into the holidays, I'm excited. I need to get home, get some lights on the house because I'm, I'm doing Good it different plan. this year. Okay. Yeah, I'm changing things up and I still don't even know exactly what I'm going to do. So I, I went and bought 300 feet of lights uh, yesterday just to try and like get my creative juices going. Mm. Um, I got nothing, so so I got a ton of lights that I already had. Now I have some more lights, so I don't know. There you go. I, the idea is to be able to see it from space, so we'll go oh. with that. <laughs> All right. Well, hey guys, um, you know, obviously football season's wrapping up a little bit, but we're gonna have plenty of other things to talk about here. Well, we got next. conference championships coming yep. up this weekend, That's so right. we'll, we'll come back and talk about those just a touch, and then the bowls. Um, we'll talk about the bowl bids, and then next week is beat Navy week. So, so yeah, we'll have plenty to talk about next week. And if you guys have any other topics or something that you're just curious about, you want us to either rehash or if you've got any questions. Any questions? Obviously, we love your questions about music and yell leaders. Outside of that, we don't know shit. So. Exactly, music yell leaders. We don't know anything about food. We don't know anything about travel. Please don't talk to us about travel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, once again, this is Rob, the Slapper on Twitter, Roy May fifteen on Twitter, and of course the Red Ass Podcast. Thanks, Yegum. Share it out. Share it out. Yeah. Share it out. Um, You'll We're, never walk alone. Oh yeah, come on, you are. Yeah, we got a big match tomorrow. Actually, it's yeah. The games come thick and fast. You yeah, know, this time of year. So. Yep. Well, beat the hell out of not playing anybody this week. Let's yeah, go. yeah, gig them. <laughs>